This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Give us hearts that are open, uh, minds that are ready to engage, and, and wills to do what you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's probably human nature to want to be upgraded. Who wouldn't rather travel club class than economy class? Who wouldn't like the best seats at a play or a concert? It's natural to want the best parking space in the parking lot. It's only human to want the best seats in the house, but therein lies the problem. In our gospel reading today, we see that Jesus has some things to say about the best seats in the house. Jesus had been invited to the home of a prominent Pharisee one Sabbath for a meal. It seems it may have been one of those dinners attended by the local religious who's who. As the guests make their way to the table, Jesus notices that there is some jockeying for position going on at the head table. The places of honor were quickly filling. Having observed all this, Jesus offers some insights. And at first reading, it seems like a fairly sensible lesson in basic etiquette, a sort of how-to-behave-at-dinner-parties mini-guide. Don't sit in the place of honor as soon as you arrive, or you run the risk of being asked to move, and it'll all be very embarrassing and you'll look foolish. Instead, take the lowest place, and then hopefully you'll be moved up and the other guests will just see how special you really are. But of course, Jesus is not remotely concerned about giving tips on social etiquette. Rather, he is explaining a very important principle about the kingdom of God. And he does this by telling a story. And the parable that he tells makes it clear that entry into God's kingdom is not based on being well-connected or networking or climbing some spiritual ladder. No, entry into his kingdom comes through humbling oneself and receiving God's free gift of life. And so Jesus' teaching here today is almost the exact opposite of nearly everything we hear about success. Jesus says... When you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. And there are two particular things that I want us to notice in today's gospel reading. First, Jesus calls us to exhibit a posture of humility. A posture of humility. And the key phrase in this story comes when Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that certainly goes against the grain of our me-first uh, culture. And elsewhere, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, you won't find this approach listed in the seven habits of highly effective people. Humbling ourselves does not come naturally. A story is told of a young seminary graduate who came up to the pulpit very self-confident and a little smug. 
He was immaculately dressed. He knew what it, uh, what it took. Well, he began to deliver his first sermon to his first church. And as he started to speak, the words simply wouldn't come out. And humiliated, he burst into tears and ended up leaving the pulpit significantly humbled. Well, there were two old ladies sitting in the front row, and one remarked to the other, if he'd come in like he went out, he would have gone out like he came in. Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, sometimes being humbled, though rarely a pleasant experience, uh, can be exactly what we need. I well remember my first sermon as a seminarian 30 years ago at the 13th century church of St. Giles in Oxford. Now, I like to think I wasn't uh, as smug or self-assured as that seminarian in the apocryphal story I said, told you. In fact, I distinctly remember being pretty terrified. But my entrance to the pulpit did not exactly go as planned. You see, my black cassock was about one inch uh, too long, and there, was, there were quite a few steps into this pulpit, uh, which I unceremoniously tripped over and literally fell into the pulpit. And while I didn't burst into tears, uh, I did feel rather stupid. Um, but, at, but at least the congregation was, you know, put at ease. Of course, the best example of genuine humility comes from Jesus. Jesus, who showed us the way by willingly heading to the very bottom of society's ladder, to the place of a criminal, even to death on a cross, where he hung naked and falsely accused before all who watched, though he had done no wrong. And he did all of this on our behalf. He humbled himself, but God has now highly exalted him. Jesus then models for us this posture of humility. Well, the second thing that I want us to notice from this passage is the practice of hospitality. After Jesus told the parable, he said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." Now, here again, we're not dealing with practical tips on manners, but with a parable about the kingdom of God. And Jesus makes it clear with this very vivid picture that others should follow his own example of sacrificial ministry to the needy. Now, I don't think we should misunderstand what Jesus is saying in this parable. I don't believe he's saying that it's bad to invite friends or family over. Rather, he is warning that there is a type of generosity which in reality is self-serving. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And that will bring its rewards, of course. But only in this life. And should never be confused with investing in the kingdom of God, which is all about living as Jesus lived. Living for those who cannot 
repay any kindness we might offer. Notice what Jesus says to the one who had invited him to dinner. When you give a banquet, not if. It's not just the well-to-do who are to show hospitality. We are all called to that. As we read in Hebrews a moment ago, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Showing hospitality is one of the great marks of the kingdom of God. It's one of those very ordinary yet really powerful ways of responding to God's love for us by loving our neighbors. But I wonder, who are the strangers that God is calling us to show hospitality to? You know, one of the great things about Ascension is that we do have this constant stream of new people through our doors just about every week. And that's a wonderful thing. And if this is your first Sunday, welcome indeed. But we have a marvelous opportunity to show and practice hospitality right here, even today. And I know that many of you are very good at greeting people that you don't know. But I would just like to throw out a challenge to everyone afresh to make it a weekly habit to introduce yourself to at least one person that you don't know. Even introverts can do this. I know know us raging extroverts love it, but everyone can do this. It doesn't matter if you or they have been here for 10 years or if this is your very first Sunday. You know, the start of a new school year, I suspect for many people, signals the start of another year of frantic activity. But what if it could also be the start of a new season of God's grace where we take seriously his call upon our lives in which we increasingly become more and more a living, working model of the kingdom of God? What if we were to adopt a posture of humility, and a practice of hospitality. Let's hear afresh the challenges from today's perhaps very familiar gospel reading. Let us be willing to take the lowest seats. Let us always be on the lookout for the stranger here at church or at work or in your neighborhood. Let us take up the many opportunities that we have every day to be hospitable. To put this another way, and and warning here, this is a bit corny, but hopefully you'll remember it. Perhaps we need to conduct an honest self-assessment of our pH level. pH standing for posture of humility and practice of hospitality. God's kingdom and this church within it is not reserved for those who are wealthy or academically gifted or sophisticated or cultured. Jesus calls us not just to invite our friends and family uh, to be with us, but rather from verse 13 to open our doors to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And notice also that Jesus is not calling on Christians simply to provide for the needy. He's asking us to invite them for dinner. 
He's not even talking about sending food, good though that is. He's saying, sit at table together. So who are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame? Who are those who are marginalized or simply outside our walls? How comfortable are we in allowing folks to come among us and belong among us before they figured out exactly what they believe or even if they believe or what living as a follower of Jesus even looks like? And whether we think of the poor in terms of the poor in spirit or those who have no money, whether the blind we meet are without physical sight or are spiritually blind, whether the crippled are those who cannot walk or those who are crippled by guilt or shame, all of these are the people whom we are called to invite into our church family, into our homes, to become with us members of God's kingdom. For the Christian, hospitality is not an optional extra. Maybe for when you've got more time. Maybe for a different season in your life. No. Hospitality is for every Christian every day. It's actual, real, lived out, practical discipleship. This is what disciples of Jesus do. God has blessed us abundantly with so many good gifts, so many people, so many opportunities. And in this particular season of our congregational life together and our More Than Stones Capital Stewardship Campaign, we're especially challenged about how we will be good stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. You know, the reason that we're seeking to clean and repair and illuminate this beautiful Gothic building that we're sitting in right now is so that we can continue and better be a beacon of light and hope at the corner of Neville and Ellsworth, right here in Oakland. The reason we want to expand our parish hall is so that we can have a space that is big enough to continue to practice hospitality. The reason that the architects have designed the proposed extension the way they have, as many of us saw last week, is so that the design itself will be a sign and symbol of the light of Christ coming out of this place to touch our neighbors with the light and love of Christ. The proposed patio even in front of that expanded hall is designed to be a place of invitation, of welcome, of hospitality. And so the project before us is all about our mission. Indeed, if it is not, then we shouldn't be doing it. And it's about our mission to welcome our neighbors and reach the nations with the transforming love of Christ. It's about our mission to be a worshiping community, equipping God's people, sharing Christ's healing with a broken world. And our buildings must serve this mission. The mission that we are on as disciples of Jesus. Now, in some ways, this Explanation may sound rather lofty or or erudite, but you know, in practice, it's the mission that we live out in all the places where we get to practice hospitality every single day. 
I pray that we will increasingly be those who have a posture of humility and a practice of hospitality. As we consider our place in the kingdom of God and our calling to demonstrate Christ's love to others, let us daily offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, not striving for the best seats in the house, but seeing where he is calling us to serve, humbly offering our gifts back to God for him to use. Well, finally this morning, hear again the words from our Hebrews reading today. Because God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Amen.